let's get going. According to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our growth comes through the scriptures. Join me, if you would, one more time, and at least one more time, in Proverbs 19. We're getting to the end of the chapter. We're not terribly close to it, but it's within sight anyway. We can see the bottom few verses there when we're in verses 19 and 20. So. We're uh, more than halfway through, and uh, we left off last week. We were looking at uh, some things here in verses 20 and 21. I want to get to those, and then uh, the blessings here in verse 22. So we'll see if we get that far with it here this morning. Before we get started, though, let's take a moment for silent prayer. Remember, God is spirit. He must be worshipped in spirit and in truth. Let's make sure we're not carnal, that we're prepared for the truth of God's word. Shall we pray? Almighty Father, we do come before you this morning thankful for faithfulness, for your faithfulness, Father. Thankful that when we are faithless, you remain faithful, for you cannot deny yourself. We call upon your faithfulness one more time this morning, that you would open the eyes of our understanding, open our ears, and soften our hearts. Father, uh, we're living day by day, waiting to hear a trumpet, and uh, asking, Father, for your for your mercy and for your faithfulness even while the rest of our country is waiting day by day to uh, to be freed and released from this this lockdown and the house arrest we've been under for more than a month now. But, Father, uh, really, we're day by day waiting for a trumpet, and uh, and then we can say goodbye to all the social distancing because we will be with the Lord in the air, and I look forward to that very much. Father, this morning we ask for your blessing as we study, that you would open our eyes to the truth here in the book of Proverbs. We thank you, Father, and we praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, and so getting our uh, slideshow going here. All right, picking up where we left off a week ago. We've done a lot in this chapter already, as you can see by all these slides that we've covered already. Where are we dealing with now? Let's go ahead and start here. Slide 14, or point 14. Looking at verses 20 and 21, and I'll put the Bible window back up. Proverbs 19, 20, and 21. It says, listen to counsel and accept discipline that you may be wise the rest of your days. Verse 21 says, many plans are in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord will stand. And these are verses that really fit well with the parental wisdom portion of the book, and we would not be shocked at all to find these verses in the first nine chapters, which are largely um, exhortations. They're largely the pleading of parents to their children. Uh, you know, when, you, when you're giving an order to listen, that's uh, it's pretty common for a parent to a child, and uh, that you may be wise to the end of your days and beyond. It, uh, it speaks to the end. It speaks to your personal eschatology. And uh, for believers in Jesus Christ, our personal eschatology is not just the uh, the rest of our days, because we have a finite number of days uh, until we depart this body, but then we have an infinite number of days uh, on the other side of that. And so uh, the joy that we have as students of the scriptures is to understand that we do number our days and and more so, because once the finite number is complete, we have all forever after that. 
And that's what this wisdom does. This wisdom is profitable. The wisdom has a benefit. Uh, physical exercise is limited to physical life. And uh, the profitability is only for this life. But the spiritual exercise and growing in grace and knowledge is profitable not only in this life, but also the life to come. And we saw that uh, last week when we were looking at subpoint A uh, with respect to this. Uh, no human being ever outgrows this need for counsel and discipline, as verse 20 says. Also, verse 27, if we scroll down lower in the chapter, uh, see, it says, Cease listening, my son, to discipline, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Again, we have uh, a verse that would fit very nicely within the first nine chapters uh, as parental wisdom. Uh, you have the phrase, my son. You have the imperative or the, in the second person, vocative address, cease listening, my son. And so these are verses that are, like we say, they're, they would be natural in the parental wisdom section of the book. But they do show up here and there. They are scattered throughout the uh, the uh, chapters uh, 10 through 24. Uh, you find them sporadically scattered throughout. And that's a good reminder because, uh, you know, no matter how old we are, no matter how many years ago it was that we left home or departed from our parents' uh, dominion, uh, still uh, we all need those reminders from time to time as if we still were little kids uh, under mom and dad's authority because uh, otherwise we tend to get forgetful. And uh, and so these occasional reminders are uh, are a blessing. So no human being ever outgrows this need for counsel and discipline. Um, when we looked at these passages already in Proverbs 19, Proverbs 12, 15, 20, and 27, the consequences reach the end of this life. And I think that's what the, the B part of verse 20 is centering on here. Remember, each verse in Proverbs has an A part and a B part. They tend to be divided into uh, what are called dice stitches or two halves. And uh, in this case, uh, the, the B part, that you may be wise the rest of your days, is kind of idiomatic and it's not entirely uh, clear. There's a lot of uh, debate amongst the Hebrew scholars as far as how to handle it. Uh, literally, in your latter end, in your latter end, um, in the uh, in the after things, in the after things. And uh, the expression achere speaks of after. And uh, so here's in the, in your after, <laughs> in your after. In the Greek, it's in your eschatology, epi eschaton su. And so when you look at that eschaton there, you read eschaton, obviously that puts you in in uh, the mindset of eschatology, the doctrine of, of uh, last things. And when we study eschatology, of course, Israel has an eschatology. The church has an eschatology. They have different eschatologies, which some people forget about. And uh, But we all have personal eschatologies. And uh, it's not only the rest of our days, but it's then, like I say, beyond. It's when we're absent from the body and at home with the Lord. It's when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It's when we receive the uh, purified gold, silver, and precious stones rewards. Uh, our personal eschatology is going to be a very glorious eschatology when we uh, are always with the Lord. And so, uh, anyway, it's uh, consequences for learning the Word of God and being shaped by the Word of God. Not just accumulating knowledge, but uh, embracing it. Absolutely embracing it, including the discipline that comes with it. And so these consequences reach the end of life, and they are, in fact, eternal. 
I think of all these verses, the only one I'll repeat from last week is 1 Timothy 4.8. Bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also that to come. And so the present life and this present life, it's, it's, it's a good expression. I like that, the present life. And uh, all of the complaining and all of the mocking that the uh, unbelievers do, a lot of the criticism they have, because it's uh, pretty obvious to them that this is not a perfect world. And they uh, they they think that that's evidence for uh, the non-existence of God. They see the problem of evil. They see sin. They see disease. They see all kinds of issues in this world. And they say, this world isn't perfect. How could there be a perfect God? And they're missing the point that uh, this world was never designed to be the eternal perfect world. And uh, this world is not our home. We are suited for the next world. And that's the one that will be in which righteousness dwells, because that's uh, what we're looking for according to his promise. And so this uh, kind of gets us back to where we were last week when we were looking at at, uh, verse 20. I want to move on this morning to address verse 21. Many plans are in a man's heart. You know, last week I actually planned to cover verse 20 and 21 in the same Wednesday morning. And uh, as you can tell, my plan uh, did not uh, didn't work out. (laughs) That's pretty common. My plan, uh, your plan, any human being's plan is going to be limited based upon uh, things that are uh, out of that human being's control. And based upon uh, finite information and not knowing things ahead of time and and so forth. So we can have intentions. We can have thoughts and intentions. And those are judged. We're accountable for our thoughts and intentions. But ultimately, we have to surrender our plan to God's plan when he makes his plan known and uh, makes it very clear that his plan is better than our plan. Because when it says the counsel of the Lord will stand, that tells you that when when two plans come into conflict, somebody has to you know, somebody has to step aside. There's a there's a give and take. And uh, in marriage, there's a give and take. And sometimes the husband uh, t- gives and sometimes the wife gives. And, you know, you compromise and take turns and, and work it out. But uh, between us and God, if uh, if we have a plan that's contrary to the plan of God, then there's no give and take. Uh, the plan of God is what stands. And we're the ones that have to uh, step aside and say, okay, not my will, but thine be done. And uh, be very thankful that God is faithful enough to uh, <clears throat> to discard our plans. And uh, what kind of God would he be if he just let us do whatever it is we, we wanted to do or plan to do? Uh, we would we would get into a whole lot of trouble in uh, in very short order. So God is very smart to uh, to overrule our flawed plans. <clears throat> so. I wrote the point up like this. This is subpoint B. Remember, both the A and the B fall under main point 14. Subpoint B, human beings have multiple plans with layered thoughts and intentions. Human beings have multiple plans with layered thoughts and intentions. And we'll see these verses here in a moment. Uh, not only where we are now in Proverbs 19, but also uh, what we looked at previously back in chapter 16. And, of course, the very famous Hebrews 4.12, that the word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even in the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and is a critical judge of what? A critical judge of the thoughts and intentions 
of the heart. And so we've got these thoughts and intentions, multiple layers, some that are still deep in the core at the heart level, some that have risen beyond the heart level to actually the mentality of the soul, whereby we've started to process those intentions into active thoughts and plans. And at each step of the way, of course, we're accountable. At each step of the way, sin can enter in and and uh, and uh, take our thought to a to a mental attitude sin, and uh, and those issues there where God has to correct those. So we have multiple plans. God's got one plan. <laughs> That's the best part. It's the overall plan of God. We talk about the plan of God from Alpha to Omega, and the plan of God, of course, has billions of uh, fine points and details and every. Every nook and cranny, every every little uh, jot and tittle is included in God's plan, but it's one plan from Alpha to Omega. It's, an, it's called an eternal purpose, and this is what he actualizes. This is what he actualizes, and when we talk about a potentiality versus an actuality, and uh, as long as it's a plan, it's still a potentiality. It's an intention. It's what we intend to do, what we want to do. You know, we've got a plan. We we had a plan last night to have a, a meeting, and, and some of us had that meeting, and other people forgot about the meeting, and so uh, they they didn't show up. <laughs> and well, that's the plan. And now, based on last night's plan, we have a new meeting uh, scheduled, and it's going to be at the church building. And and uh, three or four of us are going to go in there and and uh, examine the auditorium and figure out where to mount the camera. And, how to do the the video recordings when we move back into the uh, into the building because people want to have the YouTube videos and and other things going once we uh, once we're done with this lockdown so we're going to keep that going anyway so this involves planning this involves a lot of things and we're trying to put these things together but we're finite and sometimes our plans fall through and uh, and but God's never does. God, his plan is never ruined. It's never thrown for a loop. He's never scrambling to find a, find a backup plan. He's never trying to uh, figure out how to adjust and change his plan because of something unexpected. Uh, that's, that's not how God operates. He's eternal. He's infinite. He's omniscient. Nothing is unexpected in the plan of God, including Adam's sin, including Satan's sin, including anything you and I do, that uh, it's all a part of God's eternal purpose. And I want to I want to spend some time looking at these verses here because this is a to me this is a glorious element of God's sovereignty. It's a glorious element of God's omniscience that God knows everything and everything is more than you think it is. That everything is a whole lot more than we usually give it credit for. And so slide that up just a touch. There we go. You can still see the point and you can see. The Bible verses on top. This is the kind of thing we're talking about that will change. It'll be slightly different. Um, we haven't yet determined how uh, we're going to do these videos uh, once we're in the building. But God's got a plan, so we'll just see what God's plan is. Let's start uh, by backing up a little bit to Proverbs 16. Remind ourselves of what we saw in verse 1 and verse 9. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. I don't know if you ever noticed or not, but sometimes you can be thinking one thing and say something else. <laughs> sometimes you can uh, you can actually misspeak, and I know I'm not the only one who does that. Um, I'm, I've just mastered the art uh, in some very spectacular ways on occasion. 
But, um, you know, you can have intentions, but by the time you get from your thinking to your speaking, things can be different. And by the time you get from the speaking to the doing, things can be tremendously different. And so if, in fact, God overrules, and if, in fact, uh, the plan you started with becomes a different plan or a different answer, a different outcome, uh, by the time it reaches the uh, the spoken stage and the action stage, Praise God for that. Be thankful. So uh, the plans are one thing, but God's sovereignty stays in control. The answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Down to verse 9. The mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And this is where God's wisdom and God's omniscience is is so marvelous, because uh, the things that the Lord has planned, we don't even have the capacity to uh, the capacity to even start to understand it, you know, because we don't have the foresight. We don't have the, the foreknowledge. We don't know uh, in uh, in all these ways. And, and my big, biggest example, of course, is uh, when I was uh, in the Army station in Germany and I received my uh, PCS orders that told me that my next duty station was going to be Fort Hood, Texas. I was horrified. I did not want to go to Texas. That was the worst thing in the world because uh, I had met three Texans up till that point of time and uh, two of them made terrible impressions. And uh, so I was left thinking, you know, that's, that's, that's the last place I want to go to. If two thirds of the people that live there are, are like those guys, why would I ever want to go to Texas? And I tried to get out of it, but uh, God knew what he was doing and he was directing the steps and uh, he overruled the attempts I made to have my orders uh, changed and to get rerouted to uh, California. Um, God knew he didn't want me in California. He wanted me in Texas. And then, uh, of course, uh, we're talking about the difference of time between April 1st when I got my orders. On a very cruel April Fool's joke, I got my orders for Texas. And then uh, on May 9th, when I visited Austin Bible Church on a Wednesday night and uh, and saw uh, Sharon Schneider sitting out there uh, right next to Shirley Newton. And, uh, and I realized, wow. Hey, that's a that's a that's an attractive young lady there. I'm glad I'm in Texas and uh, different things that happen there. All right. So we have multiple plans and sometimes God is faithful. God's always faithful, but sometimes he very spectacularly brings our plans crashing down so he can show us the better plans that he has. Of course, with all of these plans, we are accountable. Hebrews 4.12. He is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart and the word of God judges the word of god is the standard and it lays all these things bare we can be thankful for that but we are accountable we're not just accountable for what we do we're accountable for what we say we're accountable for what we think we're accountable for what we intend and you realize you can be carnal and you are carnal when you intend to commit a sin even before you you do it even before you figure out how to do it the fact that you intend to do it that you want to do it and you intend to do it is uh, the point where sin has conceived. And the book of James mentions uh, sin as a conception process. And uh, conception is a reality long before the baby is ever visible. And uh, and that's true with our carnality. Sin is conceived long before the sin baby is ever visible. Uh, that's uh, That's the way that works. So we have thoughts and intentions. And we are accountable for those thoughts and intentions, but it's God's eternal purpose. That's what he actualizes. So as long as we're still thinking and planning, it's just a potential. 
as long as we're thinking and planning, we have potentialities and uh, different potentialities. Right now, the having a, a camera and uh, making uh, YouTube videos is is in, in the auditorium at the church. That is still a potentiality. And uh, until it finally happens, and it's about four or five different potentialities at the moment, because we're uh, we're pricing different camera options and we're discussing different um, video uh, editing software applications. Uh, we are considering um, whether you know the, the same machine that does the audio MP3s could also do the the video, different things like that. There's there's a ton of details, and right now, yeah, there's four or five different potentialities but we're not going to do all of them we're going to do one of them one of those is going to become the actuality one of those will be actualized which means that's the reality of what happens and the reality of what happens unfolds in time because that's what happens everything else could have happened had different choices been made but those choices weren't made so they never happened that's the difference between a potentiality and an actuality God, of course, actualizes everything that he sovereignly selects for the maximum glory of Jesus Christ. And so he has a vision of all of the potential universes and worlds and decisions and consequences and outcomes. And, uh, and God specifically removes from possibility the things that, uh, that don't please him, the things that result in a diminished glory for Jesus Christ. He only actualizes the maximum glory for Jesus Christ. And that's part of what we uh, developed out in the Plan of God series. It's all about the maximum glory, honor, and pleasure for Jesus Christ. So again, we have uh, Proverbs 19.21b, the B part of verse 21. The counsel of the Lord will stand. And it's God's counsel. It's the Lord's counsel. If you want to think about it as Father, Son, Holy Spirit in like-minded agreement, you can. Um, because, you know, one person can't usually take counsel with himself. But God is three persons in one God. And uh, so he can take counsel among himself. And he does. And we learn about that in Ephesians and other places. We'll see that here this morning. The counsel of the Lord will stand. Job twenty-three thirteen. He is unique, and who can turn him? And what his soul desires, that he does. He is unique, and who can turn him? Uh, and what his soul desires, that he does. All right. I'm getting distracted by chat messages that I don't understand. Okay, here we go. Uh, a definition of, of God's sovereignty, of course, uh, is this would be a good way to take it. He accomplishes all his good pleasure. He accomplishes his plan. And the um, got another question here. Does the idea of plan extend to our ideas about things? I don't know what that means. Ask me after class. Okay. Sometimes when we have plans, we get turned, right? We get we have plans and we get turned. 
our plan is to do something, but uh, a spouse uh, turns us and says, no, no, we're going to do something else. And, oh, I had plans. Oh, no, you don't. Oh, okay, I don't. Uh, or we get turned by our, our children. We get turned by our church members. We get turned by um, the government that says you can't leave home. We get turned by uh, somebody else. And we realize that our volition is not absolute, that we uh, we may make choices, but then uh, other people make choices. And uh, we don't have the absolute sovereignty of God, so we can't uh, manifest our choices uh, in any absolute way. God can. God has the ultimate volition, the ultimate choices, and there is no one that can turn him. No one can overrule him. There's no veto power over God. When he makes a choice, that is what becomes an actuality. That's what's realized. Uh, so he does what his soul desires. And it comes down to that. And it's not capricious and it's not arbitrary. What his soul desires because his desire is going to be consistent with his nature, consistent with his plan. And that's for the, the, again, the glory of Jesus Christ. It's been this plan that he's put forth since day one, since uh, he said, today I have begotten thee. And uh, when he begets the humanity of Jesus and, and begins and he brings something into existence beyond himself, the humanity of Jesus is now something that's not eternal, that has a beginning and now there's something beyond God that exists. This is uh, the alpha moment of his plan, because this is what his soul desires. And what his soul desires, that he does. And we can we can be so thankful for that. And and rather than be discouraged, rather than pout, we should we should worship on occasions such as this. Um, you know, when David was told he couldn't build the temple, that was what he his soul desired. He wanted to build the temple. But God turned him. God told David, no, you're not going to build the temple. Your son's going to build the temple. And David didn't pout and David didn't uh, um, disagree or, or, or take his ball and go home. He uh, he actually worshipped. And we should learn to do that. We should learn every time we get turned, every time our volition is overruled, we can then use that as a worship opportunity and thank God that his volition is never overruled. And that we uh, we learn how to uh, run with endurance the race that's set before us. We learn to accept the the yeses and the nos, both alike, and uh, and we continue on. We stay uh, we stay moving and advancing in the in the plan of God. All right, and so that's uh, that's a great promise there. It's a great principle in uh, in Job twenty three thirteen. I think we see uh, similar principles in Psalm two one. Actually, throughout Psalm 2, verse 1, verse 2, verse 7, because human beings make plans and there's political plans. And political plans um, are a lot of times very hostile against the plan of God. So why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? So we have nations and we have peoples. And uh, this is true in in uh, a little bit of a of a uh, social commentary here with respect to people groups and their uh, their geopolitical organizational structures. But uh, the nations are in an uproar and the people's devising a vain thing. They've got plans and they're not happy. Uh, they're very upset with the plan of God. The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together. So when the nations decide to cooperate in some kind of a United Nations model or some kind of a World Health Organization kind of thing, uh, that doesn't make it any better. 
they still might be in defiance of the will of God, and uh, and we see it here. So the kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers take counsel together, and, and they're going to defiantly defend their plan, and they're going to defiantly uh, attack God's plan. But uh, God's just going to laugh at them. Uh, but their their counsel is against the Lord and against his Messiah. So it's against Yahweh and against the Messiah of Yahweh, saying, let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. The nations and the peoples don't like God telling them how to live their lives. They don't like God's sovereignty over the affairs of man. But he who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. And this is obviously Yahweh who is celebrating his Messiah, his son, his king, the king of his choice, who will be not only on the throne of David, ruling over the Jewish nation, but he's actually going to be given a much larger uh, reign uh, on the new earth larger than the boundaries that were ever promised to Abraham for the Jewish people. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And so this is his plan. This is the decree of the Lord. And the plan of God goes forth and it's never been thwarted. Even when Satan thinks he's thwarted it, he's never thwarted it. He, uh, Satan's been thwarted every time he every time he attempts it. But God has never thwarted. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Goes on to say, ask of me and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. And so you'll notice he has a reign. He's already installed upon Zion, my holy mountain. 